With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits, and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Well, let's go beyond our limits today on how much fat we're going to have on our body. That sounds kind of crude and rude to say it, but the truth is the goal is to be as healthy as you possibly can and to help us be able to get the amount of fat on our body to be an optimal amount connected to your muscles and your bones and your health and your body, so forth and so on, is expert Dr. Vincent S. Falangeri. Dr. Vincent S. Falangeri, thank you so much for joining Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Oh, goodness, I'm not hearing you. What happened? (laughs) Okay, listeners, hold on. We want to get him on. Hello, Dr. Dr. Falangeri? Hello? I am not hearing him, and I don't know if the rest of you are, but I'm not able to hear him. Looks like he should be on. Let me put it on to this. This is going to be a very interesting program, so please do bear with it. It's very much a value to be able to move forward with this, and we seem to be having a little bit of difficulty. Uh, doctor, if you can hear me. I can, I can hear you. you. Would you please? Oh, you can. There you are. I can hear you. Good. There you go. Now I have you. Now I have you on. Excellent. Dr. Falangeri, am I saying that correctly, your name? Uh, Falangeri. Falangeri, okay, F-I-L-I-N-G-E-R-I. For those of you that want to look him up, he's a psychologist, licensed in New York, New Jersey, Arizona. But more to the point, you have written a book to help people be able to move their fat into a controlled position. And the title of your book is? Fat Control, The Net Equation. Why, why that title? What, what are you trying to communicate with that title? Well, I believe the title uh, zeroes in on the emphasis that should be made. Um, many people today tend to focus on weight uh, control, and weight in of itself is not the issue with regards to health problems. It's fat that is the issue. And the net equation addresses how one could control that very, very important factor in to, to uh, be able to maintain good health going forward. The net equation is an elegant way of being able to direct one toward achieving that goal. The N stands for nutrition, the E stands for exercise, and the T stands for thinking. All three important factors working simultaneously to achieve the goal of fat control. 
So you know, there's so much literature out there on this. This is actually the most popular category on Amazon.com, and so it, the, clearly your book is an attempt to put this topic in a di very different spin. So what is the different spin? Well, over the years, uh, I've been involved in, in this particular field for over 30 years. And what I have seen is many books and approaches to losing uh, weight that have been temporary fixes to this very, very serious uh, epidemic that we have called obesity. So I, I examined all of those particular diet plans, as they call diet plans, as opposed to lifestyle change uh, approaches. And I've noticed that all of them tend to have an emphasis on one or more um, uh, nutrients, either high proteins, high carbs, or high fats. And when I've looked at that, I've noticed that people who've been on those type of programs have, yes, they have been successful in losing weight uh, short term, but that tends to, the weight loss tends to disappear uh, long term. And the reason that those programs are not successful and are really doomed to failure is because they're pro providing or creating an imbalance where one or, one or more of those nutrients, carbs, fats, or proteins, are emphasized. And because of that, that will create in the body an, a, uh, an imbalance that will be fought by the body so in order to maintain some degree of equilibrium. So in order to be able to deal with this issue, I felt the need, in addition to knowing that obesity is such a problem and, have, and becoming uh, such a problem for the uh, young people, uh, children and adolescents, I felt the need to be able to present my research and my experience in working in this field in writing a book that addresses this problem so that it can be dealt with in a straightforward, scientifically um, meaningful uh, way. So, you know, 30 years in the industry, you definitely see a lot of uh, different programs come and go, a lot of fads come and go. And you're, it sounds like you're trying to move away from fads into just actually looking at the body as a, a beautiful chemistry lab that needs to have the right chemi chemical processes going on in order to be able to have optimal fat and body weight, so forth and so on. So let's go to the end of your particular book, Nutrition, in net. And the nutrition factor, you have listed so many different variables uh, to consider, and I'm going to have you focus on some of those variables out of intrigue, but give us the broad stroke overview of what nutritional factors you are lacing collectively into your program. Well, if an individual has a balanced, uh, provides a balanced approach to his uh, food intake, he, he or she will necessarily obtain the, the necessary vitamins and minerals that will help uh, sustain um, weight and fat loss. So the, the B vitamins, many of the B vitamins, if not all of the B vitamins, are involved in... Um, carbohydrate and fat metabolism. Uh, many of them are involved in being able to, for a person to lose weight concomitantly with other issues, other things that they might do. Um, so 
in my in my book, I indicate specifically what those specific uses are for the various vitamins, both soluble and fat uh, soluble, water soluble and fat soluble, as well as the major minerals and the trace minerals. So I give not only specific uses, which would include uh, weight or fat loss, but other uh, issues, other uh, health issues uh, and conditions that these particular uh, vitamins and minerals uh, are useful for. In addition, I provide examples of what the food sources are uh, for these particular uh, nutrients. So if I were to go to... Um my my vitamin cupboard, which vitamins are absolutely essential for being able to assist the body to metabolize, process the fat in particular? Well, specifically, the, the vitamins that are geared to do that kind of uh, metabolism are vitamins B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, B7, B8, B9, and B12. In addition, uh, nutrient choline, lecithin, as well as, vit- as well as vitamins A and D. Those are pretty much the, um, the vitamins that are geared for that kind of metabolism. And as far as the minerals are concerned, both major and trace, we are looking at phosphorus, chromium, iodine, iron, manganese, molybdenum, and vanadium. All of those uh, collectively uh, would assist an individual in this fat loss uh, pursuit that we're talking about. That's a really uh, good list, a really good formula. Now, now in terms, I know that you offer a very uh, full multidimensional program, but if we just focus on those vitamins, mm-hmm. if a person were to take that for, let's say, consistently for two weeks, three weeks, four months, when would they begin to feel the impact of the vitamins and minerals in, uh, on, the, on the process of, of reducing the fat in their body? How long would it take? Well, again, if, if one were only to emphasize the nutritional aspect and not the other two aspects that I emphasize as well, exercise and one's thinking, um, the, the, the loss uh, could not be as significant or as great uh, because all three components need to work simultaneously in order f- for this kind of uh, loss uh, to be ongoing. So nutrition is certainly a very important part of the formula, uh, but the other two aspects of exercise and thinking are equally as important. So I would tend not to want to emphasize one over the other because, in my opinion, all three are equally important. I couldn't agree more with you. I guess that what I'm really uh, wondering about is to encourage people not to just take them for a week and say, oh, this is doing nothing, but to really understand that our body accumulates uh, the impact of these sorts of nutrients. Obviously, you're wanting individuals to embrace an ongoing health program that isn't just about the loss of weight, but also to prevent discouragement you know, how long do they have to put those vitamins into their system until they have a sense of, okay, this is going to produce long-term benefit. Therefore, you know, because it's kind of blind. You You put them in your body and you don't necessarily see the impact. So I'm trying to say, well, how long do people have to 
take this blind until they go, okay, now I can experience that my body has shifted due to these added vitamins and minerals. So what's your estimate in that regard? Well, the way I like to look at it is this way. It took a while for an individual to gain 30, 40, 50 or more pounds uh, to begin with. And in order for them to lose it, uh, those pounds, or more specifically the fat pounds, um, it's going to take a while for that to happen. It has to be a gradual process, and it has to take, and it will take time. Unfortunately, in our society, we tend to look for quick fixes and for results that happened yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, our bodies don't respond that way, and we'll fight those kinds of changes, those quick fix changes will be fought by the body, and the body will, eventually, will, will win. So in order for these results to be sustainable, they must be done gradually every week. So maybe we're talking about maybe one or two pounds a week, not five or more. We don't want to create a situation in the body where the body is going to go into a starvation mode because it's thinking it's lacking energy and it's going to conserve uh, its fuel and reduce its metabolic rate. Um, we don't want to create that kind of situation. And one way to do that is not provide a drastic change to the body where one goes from 3,000 calories a day or, or more to, to 500 or, or even 1,000. Uh, we don't want to create that kind of a shift because that kind of shift will affect the metabolic rate and the metabolic rate will affect, affect thermogenesis, which is the burning of calories. So we want to be able to do it in a gradual, progressive manner, and people will need to be patient to monitor their progress, along with other things that, I, that I've talked about, exercising their thinking patterns. So a very different mindset from the fast quick. Let's spend a little bit more time on the food. You, of course, mentioned a broad range of foods uh, in your book, you talk about carbohydrates, protein, and fibers, and the cholesterol. What aspects of the nutritional aspect, which is, again, the chemicals we're putting into our body, our chemistry lab of our body, what aspects of the nutrition are, are key about your book that you want people to understand? That's an excellent question. And what people need to understand is that if one stresses high carbs over proteins or fats, or any of the other three over the other two, it's going to create a situation where the individual will not lose fat, uh, but actually gain fat. What will happen is that it, when you're stressing one or the other more than the other two, you're going to create a situation where you're going to increase your blood sugar that increase in blood sugar will, in fact, increase insulin release. That will, in turn, create fat storage. We don't want to have that kind of situation. What we want to do is we want to be able to have a moderate intake of either carbs, fats, or protein so that the system, the body, will, in fact, decrease its body fat, decrease its insulin usage, or production, and increase uh, and re say reduce its glycogen uh, output, 
but increase its glucagon release. It's by doing that with each one of those nutrients, carbs, fats, and proteins, at a moderate level, that fat loss will be attainable. Only when it's at the extreme end or at the high end where one is emphasized over the other two will you have the reverse effect. So you're really saying balance your carbohydrates, both the simple and complex. Take in your fats. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have your proteins and your fibers. And the key is the right balance, the right amount of each that's going to balance the body to respond. How's a person going to know that they've got the right balance of these particular well, types of nutrients? When you get involved with diet plans that tend to emphasize uh, calorie counting and measuring and things of that nature, um, they become somewhat of a chore to the individual. And to me, that is not the way the, the body works. What a person needs to do is first have knowledge. They need to know what foods are considered carbohydrates, what foods are considered simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates, which foods are considered soluble fiber versus insoluble fiber. And in addition to that, they need to have knowledge with regards to protein. There are different kinds of of, of, proteins that they need to be aware of. They need to understand that protein does not just come from meat, but there are other sources that protein can be obtained from, from, uh, from plant sources, as well as understanding uh, about fats. They need to have an understanding of what saturated fats are, um, as well as trans fats, monounsaturated fats, as well as polyunsaturated fats. They need to have that kind of understanding. And by having that knowledge of what foods are considered healthy in a balanced proportion, individuals are free to make their selections accordingly and not have to count calories. You see, diets don't work. Hmm. They will not work. They will only work short-term, very short-term, and then the person will... And will uh, lose, regain the weight they lost, and more mm-hmm. because of the yo-yo effect. So, oh we, gosh! And it, mm-hmm. go ahead, and it, it totally the yo-yo effect totally breeds a great amount of discouragement and feeling of failure. So it's nice to hear you saying this. Keep going, now. You're about to say something. Well, my experience has been that the more people are on these diet programs over the years the body has to work even harder to be able to get back to where it needs to go in order to be successful, but not saying that it's impossible. So one needs to start from a vantage point of knowledge, and one needs to be able to move in incremental steps and monitoring monitoring their progress, both nutritionally, by exercising and by their thinking processes will need to be done as well. We need to be able to look at what we've done, plan what we plan, plan on the future of what we're going to do. So we need to have knowledge of 
basic information and be able to plan our days accordingly with that knowledge in order to have this be sustainable. It's a lifelong change. It's a lifelong approach that must be done every day. We are talking to Dr. Vincent S. Felangieri. No, no. Felangieri. That's correct. Dr. Felangieri. How can they contact you and get a hold of your book before we continue on to the next two factors? If they wish, they certainly are free to obtain it in any of the um, um, book retailers, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or any of the other e-book retailers uh, ha- uh, carry uh, this particular uh, uh, book. Okay, very good. And again, the name of the book is? Fat Control, The Net Equation. Okay, so Dr. Vincent S. Bellingeri. <laughs> Author of Fat Control, The Net Equation, take us down to the next two steps. Number two is, of course, exercise. Number three is the thinking factor. I think I'm very excited about getting to the thinking factor. As you offer, you say, 64 behavioral modification techniques, which sound really exciting. But before we go into that arena, let's talk about exercise and how people can exercise to optimize fat burning. Okay. I'd like to start off by saying, uh, presenting a quote by someone by the name of Ed Stanley. He said, those who think they have no time for bodily exercise will sooner or later have to find time for illness. I believe that exercise is a crucial part of this equation that needs to be followed regularly. Because if we do incorporate exercise, and there are different types of exercise that I'm going to mention to you and audience, uh, we will in fact increase our basal metabolic rate, the rate that burns fat. We will increase our uh, immunity, our energy, and we will decrease the risk of cancer, stroke, and free radical damage. So we want to be able, and other, other health uh, benefits as well, the many uh, health uh, benefits. But in order to be able to uh, use this uh, exercise in where we want to go, we need to understand that there are various types of exercise, one of which is called anaerobic. Now, anaerobic type of exercise is a muscle-building type of exercise. It's strength-building. It's building muscle. It's non-continuous and basically has heavy resistance against the muscles. Um, It creates muscle. And by having more muscle, we're in fact going to increase our caloric burn, and that will increase our lean body mass. So the more lean body mass we have, the more efficient burning machine we will be. Examples would be weightlifting, resistance training. Uh, Those are the types of exercises that would be considered anaerobic. Now, just to give an example of how powerful that anaerobic type of exercise is when we do, in fact, create muscle, an increase of solely five pounds of muscle will, in fact, burn 
250 calories a day or one pound of fat in two weeks. So just by simply having five more pounds of muscle, the body by itself is going to do that not mentioning anything else. If, if one restricts their caloric intake, that will be another way of, re, of increasing one's uh, expenditure uh, and, re, and reducing uh, fat. So just by increasing one's muscle, you're going to burn fat. And what's good to understand about this is that this kind of, of muscle strength building continues even after the exercise is completed. In other words, this kind of thermogenic activity where the metabolic rate is increased is sustainable beyond the exercise period up to 24 hours post-exercise. So the body continues to burn efficiently even after one has stopped exercising for at least a day, uh, one day after. So that's very, very important. So we want to be able to inc include in our daily regimen and aerobic types of exercise. In addition to that kind of exercise, we want to be able to have in our arsenal of exercises aerobic, aerobic exercises, which are cardio strength building. This is where we have continuous action where there's little resistance on the muscles. We will benefit our immunity by doing so, we will improve our cholesterol. We will preserve our lean body mass. We will decrease our triglycerides. And we will lose fat. And post-exercise, uh, this particular type of exercise will last maybe 8 to 12 hours after we finish that kind of, this type of exercise, which would include dancing, walking, swimming, roller skating, bicycling, things of that nature. So we want to definitely include uh, aerobic as well as anaerobic in our uh, programs on a, on a regular basis. Now, to me, walking happens to be an excellent uh, aerobic type of exercise. As a matter of fact, Hippocrates, father of medicine, once said, and I quote, walking is man's best medicine. I believe walking is an excellent way to be able to continue that fat-burning process in addition to uh, properly having nutrition, uh, proper nutrition, healthy nutrition on a regular basis as well. So walking will, in fact, decrease our blood pressure. It will decrease our heart rate. It will lower our cholesterol and triglycerides, and it will burn uh, fat. Um, we can measure how much we walk by using a pedometer. A pedometer will, in fact, tell us how many steps we've taken. And in my book, I talk about a step program. The step program actually tells us, gives us an idea of what we need to do on a regular basis to achieve this goal. To give you an idea, if we were to walk one mile, that's equivalent to about 1,892 uh, steps. The goal in order to uh, achieve uh, sustainable uh, fat loss is to have around 12,000 steps a day or about six miles of walking. But if one were to do that and 
expend or perform 12,000 steps a day or six miles a day of walking, one could expect approximately 52-pound loss a year and increase in one's metabolic rate by 20%. If we were to do that, we will definitely have a major impact on many of the major killers uh, of, uh, of people in the United States today, coronary artery disease and cancer. To put things in perspective, the Amish people, the males walk about 18,425 steps a day, and they have a 4% obesity rate. The United States average is about 5,000 with a 33% obesity rate. So just by walking, one can improve oneself significantly and have sustainable fat loss. Another kind of, ex- another kind of exercise that has uh, recently been shown to be highly effective in uh, fat loss is interval uh, exercise or intermittent exercise, where an individual um, might walk fast for two minutes, well, I mean, warm up for two minutes, and then walk fast for 15, then slow down for 60, and repeat that, also having a cooling down period uh, each time. This kind of interval exercise tends also to be able to uh, burn calories. And some research has indicated that um, it actually may be uh, more effective in this caloric type burn um, than uh, aerobic or anaerobic uh, type of exercises. So we want to be able to have these kinds of exercises in our uh, arsenal. What we need to also understand, and this is purely from a scientific uh, research perspective, is that physiologically, after the age of 25, there is a 3 to 5% lean body mass loss every 10 years. That's, that's a fact. Our lean body muscle, a lot of lean body mass muscle decreases 3 to 5% every 10 years. We must lose 5 to 10 pounds of body fat every 10 years in order to offset that loss. And our basal metabolic rate decreases 5% every 10 years. So what we have here is a, a scenario where if we have, in fact, less lean body mass, less muscle, we are going to decrease our metabolic rate. And if we decrease our metabolic rate, we're going to gain more fat. So we need to off-balance or off-direct off, uh, that kind of situation with increased muscle building to offset the fact that we're losing it naturally. So if we do that, we will be able to increase our fat loss in addition to decreasing our intake of, of, uh, of calories. Now, in my book, I incorporated a very interesting um, chart. It's the 1959 Metropolitan Height and Weight Tables. Now, many, many, many uh, books um, don't even mention uh, what I'm about to talk to you about. Uh, the 1959 tables were put out by the Metropolitan uh, Life Insurance Company 
to determine which of their policyholders lived uh, the longest and the healthiest lives. And they put out these tables from the 1940s to, to, the, to the year 2004. And what I have found is that from 1943 to the, almost the 2004, the range of healthy weights based on height as well as body frame size, small, medium, uh, large, they tended to go up. Every, every new table had an increase in range of healthy weights. I personally tend to prefer the 1959 tables. The 1959 tables appear to be more realistic in what is considered a healthy range of weights. Which brings me to the point that we need to not fixate ourselves on any one number. As people might tend to fixate on one number, they tend to be able to misunderstand what the issue or the item is really about. So we need to talk about range whether it be IQ scores or any other types of uh, maybe psychological data, we need to be able to talk in ranges as opposed to pinpointing it as to one, only one score. So the, the metropolitan, metropolitan tables give us a, a range. It's just a tool of a range of what might be considered a healthy weight for an individual based on their frame size and their um, height. I've incorporated that in the book and provided various uh, examples of what the different heights might be in different uh, types of frames. But I've also incorporated uh, alternative formulas that one can use to be able to get to the same data or same information uh, without having to look up that information in the table. So I provided that uh, in, the, uh, in the book as well. Um, in addition to what I've just said, we need to also look at sleep. Many people don't seem to understand, but lack of sleep tends to have an effect on body weight. Too much, too little can have an effect on body weight. It can also be influential in creating uh, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and memory uh, loss. So we need to have seven to eight hours of sleep a day. I know many people are sleep deprived. But one's physiological being depends on having proper sleep. All the body systems are affected by lack of sleep. So we need to be able to get those sleep uh, hours in. And we need to try very hard to do that. And that will help in, in fat loss. Another aspect that I use when I talk to individuals about uh, losing uh, fat is something called the waist-hip ratio, or the WHR. Now, this is a very interesting ratio because it's very, very significant and very important uh, health-wise. This waist-hip ratio is the measurement of one's waist versus the measurement of one's hip. And to the extent that the waist is larger than the hips creates a number of health issues. The waist-hip ratio has been found to be very, very predictive of cardiovascular problems, strokes, diabetes, 
coronary artery disease, cancer, cholesterol levels, and high blood pressure. So we need to take that measurement from the beginning and monitor it going forward. Now, males tend to be apple-shaped, where the waist tends to, in fact, be larger than the hips. That presents a scenario of a greater health risk. Now, females tend to be pear-shaped, which tend to be less of a health risk. But to the extent that a female goes in the direction of being more of an apple-shaped individual, then they're at risk as well. So we want to be able to control that waist-hip ratio and monitor it. When we do that, we will, in fact, have done a significant thing in dealing with health, with our health. Now, what's very important is understanding that even if one's weight is within the normal range, let's say, of the 1959 metropolitan tables, if their waist-hip ratio is high, that will, in fact, pose risk, uh, cardiovascular risk even if their weight is normal, in the normal range. Now, what puts people at risk? Well, for women, if that ratio is equal or larger than 0.85, they're at high risk. And for males, it's greater or equal than 1.0. So if they do that, those measurements and they find that that ratio is in that range for males, or females, they're in the high-risk range, even if their weight is considered normal. So we need to be able to monitor that uh, aspect, uh, and it needs to be done um, regularly. Um, in addition, another important uh, aspect or index that I use in working up uh, a plan for an individual is something that we call the body mass index. Uh, many uh, medical institutions, hospitals use this as part of their protocol um, when they uh, admit and discharge uh, patients. What the body mass index is, is a measure of fatness, and it is a good predictor. As a matter of fact, it's a better predictor of cardiovascular disease uh, more than cholesterol. And there's a formula that one can use, and I provide that, that indicates how one can obtain this BMI. In general, if one calculates the BMI to be anywhere between 18.5 to 24.99, that's considered healthy, a healthy uh, uh, range. Uh, when you start dealing with over 25, then you go into the overweight uh, category and then 30 or higher into the obese category. And, and, and again, these values are indicative of health risk. If, in fact, an individual's BMI is uh, 40 or more, their life expectancy can decrease as much as 10 years. So we need to uh, look at that value and, and know, understand it and keep it in mind with the other values that I've talked about. If an individual is in the overweight category, uh, whether it be a man or a woman, well, uh, statistics have indicated that they have a greater risk of diabetes, almost three times higher, high cholesterol, two times higher, and high blood pressure, almost three times higher. 
than those who don't have um, a high BMI. So we need to be able to look at the BMR, BMI. We need to look at the WHR, waist tip ratios. We need to understand that even if even if those other things are normal, but if the uh, waist-tip ratio is high, it's going to pose a health risk. So we need to uh, be very careful about that. I also like individuals to understand that when we look at our body composition, uh, it, it consists of a number of things. It consists of fat, body fat, and it can consist of lean body uh, mass, which is muscle and bone. When you add those two up, then that'll give us our total weight. So when we look at uh, weight, we look at both those components. But when we're looking at um, uh, lost weight, we want to look at lost fat weight because that's where um, the health issues uh, lie. So we want to increase our lean body mass. We want to um, lose body fat, but we don't want to lose muscle weight. As a matter of fact, we want to increase our muscle weight. The more muscle weight, the more of a caloric burn we have. Um, the percentage of body fat, there are various methods that one could use to determine percentage of body fat. Um, hydrostatic weighing is the gold standard that, uh, that certain institutions have to uh, measure body fat. If one wanted to know what their percentage of body fat, that would be uh, one way to find out definitively what it is. Uh, bioelectrical impedance analysis is another, skin fold caliper measurements. But simple test that one could use is the pinch test. You take your index and thumb, pinch the skin in your upper uh, arm or back or waist. If the distance is greater than an inch, excess body, uh, body fat exists. Again, that puts a person at risk even if their weight is in the normal range. Uh, on average, Males tend to have, um, I would say, 12 to 18 percent um, body fat. Females, 18 to 25. And uh, I present in the book the various formulas to be able to calculate um, what, uh, how one can determine uh, one's body fat. Well, this is really helpful in terms of the science of being able to look at. And, and folks, you can gain even more detail. You understand that Dr. Uh, oh, <laughs> why am I doing this on your name? Your Falangieri. Oh my goodness, yes. Dr. Falangieri's book is going to give you a lot more of these types of details. And Dr. Falangieri, I'm watching the time go by, wanting so much to look at the thinking factor, because I think the thinking factor is a, a unique part that you have to offer in terms of 64 different types of behavioral modification interventions people can use, um, as well as other interventions in terms of their thinking about state fat gain and loss. So let's move into that as well. Once mm -hmm. again, we're talking to Dr. Vincent S. Spellinger. <laughs> Do this name for me, please. The book is called The Fat, yeah, Phil and Jerry. The, the book is yeah. called Fat Control, the NET or the NET equation. Move us into number three, the thinking factor. Well, the thinking factor is as equally as important as the other two. And I'd like to start off by giving you a quote. A man is but the product of his thoughts, what he thinks he becomes. Mahatma Gandhi. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. Buddha. 
men are disturbed not by things, by the, but by the view which they take of them. Epictetus. What these quotes are giving you and your listening audience is understanding that thinking is in the eye of the beholder. It's subjective. And if it's subjective, it's going to be influenced by one's thinking. One's thinking influences one's emotions. One's thinking influences one's behavior. It influences everything they do. Albert Ellis, psychologist, developed an approach called rational motive behavior therapy, which looked at that, how improper thinking can, in fact, affect our uh, responses and our behavior. We feel what we think and we do. We need to understand that if, in fact, our thoughts are directing our behavior, which they do, if one's thoughts are irrational, unproductive, and, and disturbing, well, they're going to have a similar effect on our behavior. So Albert Ellis's approach is to be able to look at those thoughts and be able to challenge them, dispute them, and correct them and actually turn them into rational, productive, and non-disturbing thoughts. And this approach applies to not just obesity, uh, fat control, but other areas of one's life. So it's a very uh, powerful approach. It's one of the approaches that's used, and I have found it to be uh, one that's extremely important. So we want the individual to be able to look at these thoughts that they have and see, in fact, how they are making the person behave in a certain way. Now, what Albert Ellis has done is give a, uh, a sequence of, uh, of events that one would go through in, to describe how these thought processes affect one's behavior. The first um, step is the A aspect. And the A stands for the activating event. In other words, what is it in one's situation or experience that is allowing, what is initiating the thought in a particular area? What is it? What situation, what experience? What is the activating event? And how we interpret these things leads to how we feel and respond. So we need to identify the activating event. Once we have identified the activating event, then the sequence goes into B, which is the belief. If it's irrational, well, then we're going to have a rational behavior as a result. The next sequence in the sequence is C, the consequences. And those consequences of those beliefs will be either emotional or behavioral. And once those consequences have been identified, we need to go to D, which is to dispute them and challenge those irrational beliefs. And once we've done that, we need to go to E, which is having a, an effective new rational belief formed that will guide our behavior. Now, I think the best way to be able to explain how this A through E approach works with regards to uh, fat control is to give it a concrete example. Let's say we have an individual who goes to a social event. And at this social event, there 
there's a whole variety of high caloric foods available. Well, that would be considered the activating event, the A. Now, once the individuals that that event, their one possible irrational belief that they may uh, entertain is this belief. It would be awful if I don't eat as much food as others do. In other words, this is what the individual is saying to himself or herself. It would be awful if I don't eat as much food as others do. Now, these irrational beliefs can be manifested or demonstrated in various other ways. They could be demonstrated in I demand, I expect, I must never, I, um, I should, I must not, I cannot. Um, it would be catastrophic. These are all very uh, strong statements by the individual, all part of an irrational paradigm that the individual tends to use that are considered irrational. So as a result of having this irrational belief, it would be awful if I don't eat as much food as others do, it's going to lead to a consequence. And that consequence could be depression, it could be guilt, it could be shame, be hostility. Once that consequence has taken place, the next part of the sequence is D, challenging, disputing that irrational belief. Well, this is how it can be disputed. Where is the evidence? It would be awful if I don't eat as much food as others do. Where is the evidence? There is no evidence. It may be uncomfortable. It may be unpleasant not to eat, but not awful. So by disputing the irrational belief and looking at it from a different perspective, you will then be able to go into the last part of Ellis's sequence of E, which is an effective new rational, constructive, productive belief. And there, the person could say to themselves, it is annoying to go to social gatherings and not eat as other people do. But it isn't awful, or very difficult, or intolerable. And that's how one could change an irrational belief to a rational belief, and use that on a regular basis in their daily activities with food, either at home, on a vacation, or at a social event. I think that one thing that's uh, curious about what you're saying is I'm thinking about the people I have worked with on eating concerns for the last 37 years, and there comes a point in hunger or a point in appetite or desire that really uh, suspends rationale. So to be able to engage in the exercise that you're speaking of requires a person to pause and be mindful long enough to move into a a dialogue that is going to allow rational thinking to dominate the conversation and to be the most persuasive element. But when it comes to desire or hunger or starvation or jealousy or, 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 or things of that sort, you, it, it, rationale is, is not the most persuasive voice in the dialogue for many people. What's your take on that? That's correct. Um, this particular approach... Uh, is useful, but has um, there are individuals that tend to 
benefit from other approaches. And I incorporate those other approaches as well. Now, one of the other approaches that can be used um, in addition uh, to um, rational motor behavior therapy is the visualization process. People all have, people have visual uh, um, make visual, have visualizations of all sorts of things, and what I'd like to, for people to do is to indicate of what kind of what kind of person would they like to see themselves? How would they like to see their physical bodies uh, going forward, you know, down the road when they get to their ideal or goal weight? So what I might ask them to do is give me a picture of of when they were relatively uh, young. I'd like to have them give me a picture of what they, uh, how they look presently. And I also would like to maybe give me some idea of a picture maybe in the past, whatever age that may be, they'd like to look, uh, be at going forward. That kind of visualization can be used in a behavioral way where an individual can use all of their senses, their uh, ears, their uh, smell, uh, they can be able to visualize themselves through relaxation. Uh, I do, involve, do get involved with progressive relaxation exercises with them where they can do the visualization and look at themselves of where they were, where they are, and where they'd like to be, and they could place pictures of this new person they'd like to be at various parts of their home, whether it be their refrigerator or their bathroom or anywhere else. So we want to be able to have people have constant reminders because there are plenty of, of, of uh, factors in the environment that could be um, triggers for a person to eat. So we want to be able to be aware that there's a goal ahead, and this goal is achievable. And one of the ways to be able to see that goal is to visually see it, to have it posted where they might work, or maybe just maybe not where they would work, maybe some private area, uh, or maybe where they work, or in their home. So they're reminded if there's that tempting food there that they'd like to have, well, how is that going to affect where they'd like to be? by looking at that picture. Now, to me, behavior modification is very, very important in being able to achieve this type of goal because just as undesirable behaviors have been learned, those kinds of undesirable behaviors can be unlearned. So we need to be able to teach individuals that they are responsible for their behavior. They are the architect of their health. So we need to... Uh, provide information on how to record uh, their uh, behavior, their thinking, uh, pre-planning exercises, measurements, social contracts. Um, and they need to list this information so they can objectify and be able to be aware of their behavior on a regular basis. And being able to be aware of one's behavior on a regular basis, they then can do something about it um, going forward. So we want them to be aware of it, but it requires some degree of work. They need to monitor themselves. And I do provide charts in the book where all of this monitoring could take place um, uh, on a daily basis. Now, I also incorporate various behavior modification techniques 
uh, I, I list about 64 of them. These are things that uh, are, are been used uh, over many years um, by therapists in helping individuals uh, control their body fat. One thing that is very, very um, simple, but also very, very important, is the intake of water. People don't understand, but uh, by drinking water, you're actually creating a thermogenic effect, and uh, by drinking water, you will burn uh, calories. Uh, so I recommend that individuals uh, drink water uh, at least uh, half of their body weight uh, on a regular basis. And this should be done uh, before, uh, during, and after um, uh, their meals. So all of these things uh, are, are uh, extremely important. But, but water is extremely important to hydrate yourself. Uh, not only will it remove toxins, uh, help remove toxins, but it will also provide the, the fat loss that we're looking to uh, accomplish. The another thing that uh, I like to stress to individuals is that they need to uh, eat slowly. Uh, if they eat too fast, the, ba the brain will not register uh, this, uh, and the person uh, may not get the signal to their full. So they, they need to be able to eat slowly for at least 20 minutes before they, in fact, uh, leave the table. So eating slowly is never a very important behavior modification technique that I uh, like to have individuals uh, uh, follow as well. Um, in addition to what I've said, yes? Doctor, how are, how are individuals be able to get in contact with you so that they can work with you on these uh, various techniques and approaches and become familiar with, uh, for what will be the equation that will work? How would they contact you? Well, at this point, I'm in the process of, of getting, obtaining a uh, website uh, so that individuals can uh, do that. Uh, and that's that's something that uh, will be available uh, hopefully soon. Great. And in the meanwhile, how would they be able to get in touch with you? Um, well, they, at this point in time, if they want to obtain the information that I've discussed and have more details of what I've discussed, um, the book that, uh, is, that is available through Amazon or Barnes & Noble will provide uh, information uh, along those lines. And hopefully, within a short period of time, I will have a website that individuals could contact me uh, if they have any more specific questions uh, concerning uh, their issues or anything that's written uh, in that book. Wonderful. And I do also know that you are on LinkedIn, so perhaps they might be able to connect with you as well in that well. Well, you've presented a, a really uh, a clear way, that pe uh, understanding that people need to look at their bodies in a special relationship, dealing with all the different variables that fuel and feed and burn the excess fuel as well, in a way that creates this dance, this dialogue between what is available in our highly food-accessible culture and for them to indulge in, and also what is available for them to be able to expand their capacity to be healthy and free. I do know that as people age, it becomes harder and harder for people to manage weight, but that it becomes so important, really, to manage the wonderful health that people can live with. Well, we have just a little bit of time left to go, so what would be your parting words for our listeners, Doctor? Well, what I'd like to say 
is this. We are responsible for how much body fat we accumulate over time. Our lifestyle choices today will determine our health tomorrow. There are no shortcuts to losing body fat and keeping it off. Our bodies will always fight change. Using nutrition, exercise, and thinking factors daily will help us achieve our goals. The Fat Control the Net Equation book is an elegant solution to lose body fat in a safe, successful, healthy, and permanent way. Balance and moderation are key components for achieving success in your fat weight loss goals. As Virgil said, the greatest wealth is health. Beautifully. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Felon Jerry, from the book about losing fat. Please do contact him. Use the information that he's provided for you. Look at your body as a tool and as something that's really dependent on the choices that you make. You now can be equipped to be the scientist that lives in your body. Have a wonderful day. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.